We found out yesterday from the book of Jude that you and I should earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints, but we found out more than that. We found out Jude wouldn't tell us to contend without going on in minor detail and showing us how to contend. How? He went on to say that certain men crept in unawares. Whoever these men were, they destroyed the faith of the early church. He likened them to clouds without water. When they come over the horizon, they look good, they sound good, they put on quite the show, but when they get overhead, they cannot produce because they don't have any water. In this contending for the faith, he went on to say, you don't have to be like these clouds without water, sensual, sense-ruled, because you, beloved, have the Holy Ghost. And because you have the Holy Ghost, you can build yourselves up, up where? Up above a walk, dominated by your senses into a glorious, liberated walk of power by praying in the Holy Ghost. Mm. Well, we found out for sure that praying in tongues is a major key to this walk of the Spirit, this walk of power. When I first became infatuated with tongues as a language for edification, I wanted to find out all I could about it. So I went to them that seemed to be somewhat among them. And I said, how come praying in tongues builds us up on our most holy faith? How does it increase our faith? As far as I knew, faith only came one way. It comes from hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing by what the Word of God says about your problem, not the flesh, not the devil, not the world, but God. So I asked them, what does speaking a bunch of syllables in the air? What does that have to do with increasing anyone's faith? I said, well, brother, haven't you read the word? I said, I hope so. <laughs> well, we're edified when we pray in tongues. I said, I know that I can read. <laughs> what I want to know is why we're edified. Well, haven't you broke the word edified down in the Greek? I said, I, I guess I have. Just like everybody else. They said, well, it means to receive a charge. I said, how so? Then you know faith is a tangible substance? Yes. Well, you're receiving a charge. I said, how? <laughs> I said, how? And well, it would be correct to say the nice man put positive and negative on your car battery and edified it. I said, you mean charged it? Yeah, edified it. I said, you mean when I'm praying in tongues, I'm receiving a charge? Yes. You mean, positive, negative, until my eyes go, full. 
I accepted that third grade explanation for many years. The reason being, the first crusade I went out into after being locked up for three months in the prayer closet, edifying, I laid hands on this woman, and I was in the middle of my prayer. She left. I thought, uh-oh. But when I opened my eyes, she was laying on the floor. And I thought, my God, positive, negative. How do you like that for being charged? Yeah, huh? <laughs> well, I accepted that third grade explanation for many years because a lot of teaching was going around about faith, a tangible substance, and it can be transferred by the laying on of hands, which is, of course, correct. But still, I couldn't get away from the fact that faith came by hearing and hearing by the word of God, then how in the world did speaking a bunch of tongues into the air have to do with my increasing of faith? I still didn't know. And as a matter of fact, even though I knew my faith was being increased, I did not know why. I didn't know why. In fact, this is the question the whole church world that does not speak with tongues has been asking you and I who do. Y'all charismatic? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You faith people charismatic? Yeah. But where are you? Pentecostal holding this catch tail. <laughs> Y'all speak with tongues? Yeah, yeah. Well, why do you do that? Uh, well... It's the initial evidence that you're filled with the Holy Ghost. You're telling me I'm not? Well, well, uh, no, no, I didn't say that. Uh, it is, uh, it, uh, it, it edifies us. Well, how come? Well, uh, you just pray in tongues and it edifies you. Well, how come? Well, it charges you. Well, why does it do that? Well, I don't know. Take it by faith like we did. <laughs> Well, why do you do it? We haven't been able to tell them. In fact, we'd have been able to tell them. There'd been a whole lot more of them beating our door down to get what we have. But instead of telling them, you know what we did? We mishandled the Holy Spirit. We brought so much flesh in it that they don't want what we got. In fact, psychiatrists say, you weird people. I beg your pardon, that's peculiar. <laughs> peculiar don't mean you're weird. It means you eat when nobody else does. When famine's killing everybody, you don't die. Yeah, that's what peculiar means. Why ain't you dying? I'm peculiar. <laughs> it don't mean weird, you know. In fact, we've mishandled the Holy Spirit brought so much flesh in. It's all inspired by the devil. You say, I'm not the devil. No, you're not of the devil. It's inspired of the devil. You know how I thought I was going to know the Holy Ghost when I got to heaven? Well, I'd have no trouble recognizing God. He's the one at the throne with all the liquid power coming out of, you know, who would have trouble recognizing him. And the Lamb... You can always tell the lamb by his eyes. You don't even have to know what he looks like. You'll know him by his eyes. The lamb. 
but that fine-dressed gentleman, the third in the Godhead, standing behind Jesus. The moment I walk into heaven, he will extend his hand and say, Hello, Oh, my name. Yeah, I can say, you're the Holy Ghost. I can tell by your accent. <laughs> I said, God, how did that get started? Every time I turn one of them guys on the TV, I'm going to turn it off. You know, you got to repent of I thought, what's the matter? He talked normal. Come, he can't preach normal. What's the matter with him? I said, why did you do that? It's the anointing, brother. Well, it don't do that to me. I'll tell you what it is. It's their reaction to the anointing. And it was passed on by their fathers in their particular church. I said, how did it get started, God? How'd that mess? He says, well, said, your forefathers were preaching machines. They could preach hell's fire and brimstone so powerful. You run it. You ain't going to take any chances. I got born again every Sunday. <laughs> if they'd preached to 5,000 plus with no microphones, and they always preached at the back row. You run the back, and they'd literally preach all their wind out. You're going to go to hell if you repent. And don't repent. You leave this building. If you leave this building, you die. <laughs> they'd preach all their air out. But then came the microphone. And the second generation thought it was the anointing. <laughs> Well, that's nothing. I almost didn't get saved. You don't know why? Because Sister Chicken Walker. Yeah, she was up front when the Holy Ghost came on her. I said, what's wrong with that woman's neck? I said, what's wrong with it? Well, I tell you, it kind of looks funny to the world. They want to know why you're joking around. It's the Holy Ghost. You really shouldn't blame that on God. <laughs> if you're going to jerk, don't blame it on him. <laughs> Imagine how that looks to the world. What's happening to him? All oh, the power of God's all over him. It is. Oh, yes. How would you like to get saved? No. <laughs> The Holy Ghost is pure. He's power. He's wisdom. He's the revealing of God in you. He's so decent and he's so in order, it would make you and I sick. You say, do you go wild and dance? You bet. As much as they do in any football game. But I'm not spastic. <laughs> Can you imagine how I felt? You can't imagine when God began to open this 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians up. 
You can imagine how I felt. Because I kept asking God, I know my faith is being increased. I know that it is. Would you please show me how? And when the Holy Spirit opened this chapter up, I took the first step to the rest of my life. I took my first step into a deliberate, premeditated walk into the power of God just because I wanted to. Hear me? So from this point on, we're leaving testimonies and going into power here. So you hang on real tight. And let's begin with the first verse, which reads this way. Follow after charity. And the word charity means love in action and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. For he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto who? Now notice this. He says, follow after this love in action and go ahead and desire spiritual gifts, but rather, rather that you may prophesy. Now, folks, he wasn't saying that prophecy was greater than speaking in tongues. Yeah, how do you know? Because I know Paul was writing the Corinthian church. And in writing them, he was exhorting them as individuals, they should excel to a place in God where they edified the whole church. In order to teach them how to do this, he had to differentiate between prophecy and tongues for interpretation and tongues for personal edification. Now, because he had to differentiate between tongues for edification and tongues for interpretation that equal prophecy, I get to get in on his explanation of tongues for edification. And when I did, I discovered why we experience such a tremendous increase of faith from praying in the Holy Ghost. So he said, go ahead, desire spiritual gifts, rather that you may prophesy in the light of edifying the entire body. But then he went on to define the difference. Look at the second verse. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue. Now I know no scripture is a private interpretation except this one. It's mine. <laughs> For when Dave Roberson speaks in an unknown tongue, notice this. He speaks not unto men, but unto God. For no man understands him. Well, why doesn't anybody understand me? Because I'm not speaking with tongues to be interpreted by you. I'm speaking in tongues for personal edification, and this verse declares that I am talking to God. It's not for your interpretation. It's none of your business. This is between me and my Father God. It is my human spirit in divine communication with God himself. Just gets me so excited I can't hardly stand it. With my physical man, I contact physical things. With my soul realm, my mind, my will, my intellect, my emotional faculties, 
I make contact with my fellow man. We communicate through accumulated knowledge, through the soul. Jesus revealed God a spirit. He said, those who worship him, they must worship him in spirit and in truth. And when Dave Roberson rears back and speak with tongues, instantly, my human spirit has made direct contact with God himself. If I called Ronald Reagan, he answered the phone, I'd faint. There he is. He's so busy administrating, I'd be shocked if he picked the red telephone up and says, Yeah, Roberson, what can I do for you? Shock. But yet there's one who is administrating over the universe. Over the life of every believer who will allow him. Yet he still has time. When Dave Roberson rears back and speaks with tongues to pick the red telephone up on the other end and say, Roberson, I know that's you. What is it that you want? <laughs> Glory! I said, God, no man understands him. No man understands me. No man. And how be it in the spirit, I'm speaking mysteries. And he says, no man, nobody around me understands my language. Because it's for edification. Mine. If it was meant for interpretation, then someone would understand it. But this one's not. This is why we get this mixed up all the time. There is four major diversities of tongues. That's why he called it diverse tongues. The number one is the one that most all of you are familiar with. It's the one you received last night when we laid hands or prayed and the power fell on you. He said, speak of that. And you went, <laughs> you got tongues for personal edification. <laughs> That's the number one basic power, diversity of tongues. Tongues for edification. Personal. Number two, basic empowerment of tongues, is tongues for interpretation, given in a public assembly for the sole purpose of interpretation. The third basic empowerment of the diversities of tongues is tongues that extends itself into the deep intercessional groanings of the Spirit and empowers the believer to stand a gap for his life his family, his city, and his nation. The fourth basic empowerment of tongues is tongues that presents itself as a sign to the unbeliever. Now that one I was stuck on. I said, God, how can tongues be a sign to an unbeliever? In fact, the Bible's very clear. If you speak in tongues out of order, it's a sign to the unbeliever, all right that you'll start raving crazy mad, see. I said, Lord, how is tongues a sign? When I was in India preaching a massive crusade, 
My interpreter was a native of Indian, and he spoke several dialects, English included, Indian. This guy was good. So I'd preach, he'd interpret. I'd preach, he'd interpret. I had a morning off, and I went to see a big Buddhist temple. Anyway, my interpreter, Dr. Philip, he's a doctor. He grabs the Buddhist temple guide who also spoke English. So it made me wonder why he was speaking his Indian dialect. Anyway, he grabs him. He goes, And that poor Indian guide, his eyes got about this big, and he backs up, and Dr. Phillips presses in on him. His eyes got a little bit bigger, and he kept backing up. Finally, he says, What are you doing in English? And he says, I am speaking in a language that God has given me. And, and that poor Buddhist temple guy, he says, well, what are you saying? And my doctor friend says, I do not know. <laughs> he says, it is a sign to the unbeliever. <laughs> and that guy goes, Sola he goes, the voice of the says, do you want to be born again? He goes, yes, yes. Get him off of me. <laughs> I said, God, well, when is tongues a sign to the unbeliever? When is it? Well, it's a sign to the unbeliever when it transcends your intellect, empowers you to speak any language on the face of this earth that you had no previous knowledge of, like on the day of Pentecost. That's when tongues is assigned to them. When you stand in there preaching in their language and they know good and well, you didn't know anything. That's a sign to the unbeliever. That's happened to me seven times. Seven times in 11 years. But see, you really don't have to worry about that till you first familiarize yourself with the one that he gave freely that works inward and it's called edification. I'm going to have to give you a couple examples, the teachers only. In Sacramento, oh, I like this. <laughs> I was on television. It was a half secular station. I didn't know if they even allowed speaking with tongues, but who cared? It felt so good, I just let it go. <laughs> I was being hosted by a host, a television host, and he says, Madeline Robinson, he says, no. He says, what, what is the most changing thing? That's, I said, the love walk. I got in. I was preaching on love, 1 Corinthians 13. I says, and it never, never fails. And it seeks not. Boy, I was working that camera over. <laughs> All of a sudden, I heard tongues just rolling out of my spirit. I heard myself going, and it almost jumped out before I could stop it. I looked at my host, and he didn't do nothing. I thought, well, if he's not going to stop me, I'm not going to stop. <laughs> it just feels so good. Anyway, when it's done, there'll be an interpretation. So I go, I got all done. Nothing happened. No interpretation. Nobody did nothing. In fact, everybody acted like nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> After we wound the program up, and I, I stepped down off the set, this woman comes running over, Brother Roberson! I said, yes, ma'am. 
Where did you learn German from the old country? See, I hardly know English from the new. <laughs> she says, you mean to tell me you don't know what happened? I says, what happened? She says, I'm the only German-speaking counselor. I said, really? She says, I got a phone call from a German community in Sacramento. She says, this woman said that you preached directly to her, preached that even though she was dying of a horrible disease, cancer, bloated, swollen up, that if she would accept Jesus and touch the television, she'd be healed. She went out under the power and got up with no more bloat. Boy, she was so healed. <laughs> Glory. I said, God. <laughs> I preached in fluent German. And I'll tell you one thing, if I'm the last one to find out about this anymore, I want to raise. <laughs> <laughs> Called this Spanish lady out in Anaheim. I said, ma'am, you have this and this and this wrong with you. And she was so agreeable. She goes, and I thought, Roberson, you are right on tonight. <laughs> she kept going. And I told her everything that was wrong with her. And all of a sudden, tongues busted out of my spirit. It often does that, and I interpret and go ahead and minister. At this time, it busted out of my spirit. Little did I know, that woman didn't know a single word of English except just barely get by. And all of a sudden, I hear myself going, and before I could even wait for an interpretation, she looks at me and she goes, I go, <laughs> Well, she fell down on the floor, so I left. <laughs> Conversation over. I didn't know anything happened. I just thought God come on her and healed her. How would I know? I was down eating some Chinese rice. These guys come in and they say, you don't know what happened, do you? I said, no, what? They said, you, you started addressing that woman in perfect Spanish. You told her that God was healing her and ministered to her by his spirit. Then you stopped. Then she asked you a question. And then you went ahead and answered her question in Spanish. <laughs> I said, I did? <laughs> I said, yes. Wouldn't she did a double take if she would have known she's talking directly to the Holy Ghost? Ooh, well, one other time I'm going to tell you about that was unusual. Then we'll go on. I was preaching this time it was in Florida. Every time I'd say something, this man on the third row back on my left, he would lean over and whisper to his buddy. And I thought to myself, that's rude. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that'd show you how carnal I was. I kept preaching, and he'd go, I'd go, and furthermore, he'd go, I thought, I wish these guys would quit or sit in the back. After a while, the one man waved the other one off. Just waved him off and sat there. The man tried to talk. He hushed him up. I went on and finished the message and ministered and was in the back room, and the pastor caught me. And again, I was the last one to find out. They said, that man spoke French. They said he brought his own interpreter so he could enjoy the service. But about one-fourth through your message, 
he said that I started preaching in perfect French. So he told the interpreter to stop. Well, it's one thing, is it not, for God to take over and preach any message he wants through you. But it's another thing when God becomes your personal interpreter. <laughs> that means your message is right on. <laughs> I said, anybody else hear French? Nobody else heard French. They heard the message in English, word for word. He's the only one that heard French. We had a day of Pentecost runaway. But folks, again, you don't have to worry about that operation of power in you too much until you first familiarize yourself, as I said, with tongues for personal edification. It is the only gift of the Spirit that can be operated at your own will. The reason is, it's not that you control God. Nobody controls God. But he made you the steward of this gift. Because the edification is inward. All the other gifts are for the edifications of others outward. This one is inward and is activated at your own will. You mean to tell me I can speak in tongues any time I want to? Well, you certainly don't do it when you don't want to, do you? <laughs> You know what I mean. I can only speak with tongues when I'm in a service and the anointing is so heavy and a little tear begins to trickle down my cheek and I start, Oh, so oh, so God, I'm anonymous. said, You mean the only time you can talk in tongues is when you're bawling and squalling? Yes. Give me a hammer. <laughs> we'll beat you up. We'll, we'll get you squalling and bawling and edifying. It's better to have hammer marks than die of cancer. <laughs> You know what I mean. <laughs> Tongues for personal edification, the gift that works inward for your own personal edification. But as of yet, we found out from Jude that when we pray in the Holy Ghost, this diversity of tongues, this edification, that it, it builds us up on our most holy faith. In fact, so much so, up above a walk where your senses rule as king, where your senses bring you to a dead standstill. You know what an infirmity is. An infirmity is when you know that you know that you know that you know Jesus bore your sicknesses and carried your pains. You know that from Genesis to Revelation, but as God is your witness, you can't get that damnable thing off your body. That, my friend, is an infirmity. 
at this point we have to make a whole new denomination, one that says, God put the disease on you to work something out in your life. Baloney. <laughs> Baloney. Hear me? And I mean it. Devil baloney. <laughs> Just because your senses has brought you to a dead standstill is no sign that there is not a way by the Holy Spirit to approach that word. It causes a merger of the life that's in it because Jesus said my words, their spirit and their life and there is a way to activate them and cause them to come alive in you. And they think, Thing this side of hell the devil can do about it. Sota namakia, kiton skora murama chokrachon talas karetiacia, danstora hora chiro tandela krabinga skeda hora timaskara huro velo somaha. For in this day, the former moves shall be like child's play. For my children will come up higher and higher and higher and higher in me. For there is a walk where a man walks free, empowered by my spirit. This is the way I would have you be, as a light, a sign, and a wonder, saith the Spirit of Christ. Oh, well, we know that praying in the Holy Ghost will build me up on my most holy faith, up above a walk being sense-dominated, an increasal of my most holy faith. But as of yet, how does praying in tongues do this? Why am I edified? If Jude 20 would have been enough for you, face value, promising you of building up on your most holy faith. Faith is something that, that we've almost labeled as elusive. We've cried for it. We've bawled for it. We squalled for it. We offered to do anything God wanted for it. We've confessed for it until our tongue has almost fell out of our mouth. Get it right square under your nose. Has been a verse. I know you didn't see it before. It was just written last week. <laughs> but it gives you and I that ironclad guarantee. And have you believed it for face value, you'd have been a whole lot further along than you are. To see face value wasn't enough for me. I said, God, I want this to do all over the world what it has done for me. I'm so hungry, but now I can walk straight into the power of God. Out of everything that he said I'm free from and into everything he said I am. on purpose just because I want 
Well, how does praying in tongues increase your faith? How does it edify you? Going back to the second verse, looking at it one more time, which reads, For he that speaketh in unknown tongues speaks not unto men but who? But unto God. For no man understands him. How be it? Stop. You know what the word how be it means? It's analytical. It's analyzing the verse. If you and I are speaking in tongues but nobody understands us, but yet we're talking to God. Then if nobody understands us and nobody else is edified, then how be it? Or what is the purpose of it? How is this? See, it's an analytical word, and Paul asked it or used it so he could give the answer. Now, if you don't think that addiction set in, I was shaking when I approached this verse because I knew that I was finally going to have the answer. He said, how be it, or how is this then? He said, in the Spirit, this man speaketh what? What? Mysteries. But I knew that lying within that one word, mysteries, was the whole reason you and I experienced this increase of faith from praying in tongues. In that one word, mysteries. You don't think that I got my Greek interlinear, outerlinear, exterior, interior, <laughs> roost, weeks, and strong? <laughs> I got it all out. I explored that word mysteries until my meditator like I fell out on the ground. <laughs> you know what I found out? That word mysteries in the Greek, it breaks down to mean exactly the same thing as pertaining to the mysteries which have been hid in God from the foundations of the world but now has been made available to you and I, the new creation who are filled with the Holy Ghost. I said, wait a minute, God. Hold on a minute. I'm starting to smell an increase of faith. I said, you mean to tell me when I'm speaking in tongues that I am communicating up before God, up before the throne room, the same mysteries that's been hidden God since before the world was? Yes. The same mysteries as pertaining to everything in a mystery that Jesus Christ is to you and through you. I said, now, wait a minute. I really got to get this straight. That I'm speaking the same redemptive mysteries that were hid in God before any of this, the cross, came about. It's exactly the same mysteries that Paul was made a minister of. 
Now, how could he minister these mysteries had he not first understood them? Paul made a statement. He said, I thank my God that I speak in tongues more than you all and was responsible for three quarters of the revelation knowledge recorded in the New Testament, especially in the areas of grace. Hear me. Grace! I can just see him. Hour after hour communicating these divine secrets, these mysteries up before the throne room. Hour after hour. And God responding, and like any other prayer, answering his prayer. All of the sudden, his spirit comes alive with illumination and understanding to the degree that he picks up a quill, sticks it in an inkwell, and records the letter that God gave him, and God thought so much of it, he made it an epistle and a permanent part of the Word of God. You're not edified because you're speaking some mysterious electrical charge according to some law of physics. The reason you're edified is because you're speaking up before the throne room the very same mysteries, the very same understandings that's recorded in the epistles that was so hard to understand, Peter even said concerning Paul's writings. God, this stuff is heavy. <laughs> Now, when this first started happening to me, I'd spent extended amounts of time in prayer, Holy Ghost praying. And, of course, I'd flip my Bible open and I'd be meditating along, and all of a sudden, I'd get to a verse that I had read over 10,000 times. And all of a sudden, something would go off on the inside of me, and I'd go, Oh, my God! I didn't know that said that. And I'd run and get my deacon, Earl Hitchin. And I'd say, Earl, look at this. Can you see what this means? And I'd explain it to him and explain it to him. And he'd look at me and say, I think I'm getting it, Davy. Keep on going. I says, how come you can't see that? Then I thought God was revealing it to me because I was a preacher. And if he didn't talk to me, what would I say when I came out? <laughs> so there had to be a reason. See, and there was. It's one thing to say. He's borne my sicknesses and he's carried my pains. But it's another thing to have that mystery born on the inside of you to such a degree that faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of what the Spirit in the mind says about it. There's anything this side of hell the devil can do about it. When that goes off on the inside of you, you going through, nobody can stop you. Yeah.